You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system, up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant, with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Okay, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. That's obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. To reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. Here's the thing. Information is power. Information is money. Literally, the currency of today's world of, of entrepreneurship is information. And if you could bring all of the, your, the information about your business into one dashboard, this is incredibly valuable. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of the truth about your business. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite and you're improving efficiency by bringing all of your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. This is so valuable. You just hit a button and you can see all the information about your business instead of having to like call five different departments and get all these emails and put it all together and make sense of it. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash james. netsuite.com slash james. netsuite.com slash james. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show. So I'm in Denver, Colorado for a very special podcast. We're calling it the podcast. So I have John McCaskill with me. Uh, John, wouldn't you say Denver is pretty much the capital of legal marijuana in the U.S.? With all respect to Seattle, I think we are the Emerald City. Yeah. Why, why do you think? Because now there's like 29 states where it's legal in one form or other. We've always sort of spearheaded the, the change, you know? I mean, I know how long it's been uh, medically available in California, but in terms of spearheading industry standards, social consumption use, uh, moving into the rec space. This was, uh, the first, was Colorado the first state to be recreational? Correct, yeah. And, and what... What, from your point, did you see happen once you, once Colorado went from medical to recreational? If you if you believe the naysayers, Colorado must have fallen into total havoc, and nobody went to work anymore, and everyone was high all the time. Like, what actually happened in Colorado once it became recreational? Well, everyone's still high all the time, but that's because <laughs> we're so high elevated. Um, we we really uh, helped spearhead the initiative that allowed uh, all of these other states to say, "Hey, this actually can work." 
um, not just from a revenue standpoint, but through the infrastructure. Uh, and what we saw was a complete boom, uh, real estate wise, uh, tourism jumped through the roof. Uh, we have still over 1,500 people a day that moved to Colorado, or a week that moved to Colorado. Uh, and that has grown the entire state. It, so was that different before it was recreational? You didn't have 1,500 people a week? Correct. Yeah. So that's all changed uh, in the last, you know, four, five, six years now. So uh, it's really uh, a boon for the neighborhoods uh, that have been here, uh, the real estate market, of course. Uh, and that's it's really changed the landscape uh, for which all of us have been doing uh, down to this conversation, which we normally wouldn't be having. Right. Well, uh, what about any negative effects? Like, uh, I was reading someplace, I think I was reading in the New York post earlier today, actually, uh, they looked at the negative consequences of legalizing marijuana. Would you say, and, and first off, just to back up a second, what makes you an expert? <laughs> well, I'm not, I don't think anyone really is. Uh, one, one of the, you things, are an expert, by the way, we've had conversations, you know, a thousand times more than anyone I've ever spoken to. Well, thank you. Uh, being being in and around and having been raised, uh, my, my family is a sixth generation Colorado family. Uh, so we've really watched this speaking to, you know, certain industries or neighborhoods or communities that have been marginalized by certain booms. Uh, we've watched that from the gold era down to the gas era, down to the weed era. Um, unfortunately, especially with uh, commoditization of housing and real estate, there's been a lot of groups, uh, especially minority groups that have been marginalized, uh, pushed out uh, due to inflated pricing, uh, especially in real estate. And that has put a lot of pressures on uh, folks in communities to be able to substantiate being in that community. Uh, the neighborhood that we're in right now, uh, Five Points neighborhood in the River North Art District, uh, specifically uh, 10 years ago, you wouldn't want to even walk through this neighborhood. And so what, what happened? Uh, well, a lot to do with, you know, real estate boom and a lot of other things that started rolling into that. And I think cannabis was one of the really main drivers around that. So um, cannabis became legal. It suddenly became this multi-billion dollar industry in Colorado with other states now legalizing it recreationally. And I don't even know, I guess California just uh, right. made it recreational in La and, you, and in Las Vegas, it's recreational. I don't know if all over Nevada, but in Las Vegas, at least it's recreational. So is that going to affect, will, will Colorado start to slip again? Uh, it has been. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, you can't really stop the momentum once it started. Uh, a lot of folks that are continuing to come here come here for the reasons of uh, quality of life. Uh, the weather, obviously, is always a factor. Uh, education uh, and jobs. And that can follow through the oil and gas path. That can follow through the cannabis path uh, and all of the tangential things that happen around industry. Uh, and Colorado is going to continue to do this. However, in cannabis, we're watching that number drop dramatically, and we're, we're seeing, you know, a flattening of that marketplace due to other regions activating. Do you think? Do you think it'll like? Do you think people still will come to Colorado as sort of like this was the first place? So I, I still see, you know, marijuana tourism. Everyone says, "Oh, go to Colorado," but I guess they'll start saying, "Go to Las Vegas." Well, yeah, and you know, Vegas has a good uh, feather in their cap because they were they're the first to allow medical cards to be accepted from anywhere in the U.S. So that's a good reason. I'm a medical card holder. Uh, now I know if I if I feel the need to go to Vegas, I would go and I'd be able to get get cannabis for, for you know the rates that they offer. And so so before we get into kind of the economics and the and the industry, um, why are they legalizing it? Like what? Why did they make it? Why was marijuana always illegal and alcohol legal? You know, from what I understand, you can correct me if I'm wrong. There's no toxic dose of cannabis of marijuana. 
There's obviously toxic doses of alcohol. People die every day from from alcohol. Uh, and there are a lot of studies showing, you know, marijuana could be used to reduce anxiety, depression. Again, I don't know if how accurate those studies are, but it seems like there's hundreds of those studies. Uh, why was marijuana illegal in the first place with alcohol legal? Uh, if you go back uh, nearly 100 years, uh, there was uh, back East Coast days, uh, the paper industry was really the booming industry. Uh, they were the ones with the lobbyists. They were the ones in politicians' pockets. And uh, there was a, one particular newspaper uh, man, which name is going to miss on me right now, uh, but basically as, as part of a, a campaigning stunt uh, in order to boost his own profits, uh, he used uh, the, what we know now as kind of the reefer madness uh, era, uh, really began the removal of hemp, uh, re removal of cannabis, and really he was trying to support pushing uh, alcohol to the forefront as well. And so that pushed everything aside, and they, they used, uh, they being the newspaper industry in general, uh, used these marginalized communities, uh, specifically uh, people of color, uh, and pushing those folks away, so it spoke to immigration issues, so, so fear-mongering around that topic. But let, let, let me ask, and so, sorry if I interrupt, let me ask, um, Was so, so hemp was being used to make paper, but he wasn't using, this guy wasn't using hemp, or his lobbyists weren't using Correct. hemp to make paper? Correct. So, and since hemp is made from the marijuana plant, he said, why don't we just get rid of this and throw it in with, you know, make it like a, a drug that's dangerous or something like that. And so that kind of eliminated... One hit, you'll go crazy. Right, and so that eliminated competition in the paper industry. Correct. And, but why was he pushing alcohol? Uh, advertisements. Mm -hmm. uh, at that time, mm -hmm. we were watching the resurgence, uh, uh, really the surgence of one of the most dominant, most powerful and impactful substances in our country that we've ever seen, which is alcohol. I mean, outside of oil, if you want to go there. But, uh, so and then what was the effect on, on minorities? Like, why did this, where, where did minorities come into play here? Uh, it's like this age-old thing politically where you're looking at uh, immigration policies, fear-mongering against uh, communities that are completely segregated, and uh, the, the folks that could afford to get those papers and were around that, unless you were really in a major s uh, city like New York or something like that, you never saw people of color in certain areas. It was always a demonizing effect. And so that really helped to segregate uh, the marketplaces for, but, but for were, were, uh, people of color, uh, smoking marijuana and white people drinking alcohol? Like, was it segregated along those lines? I don't think specifically, but if you look to the areas where the pulp industry was really going, uh, strong, which was in the South, uh, you, you look at any of the areas, uh, in the North area, we're still speaking about North and South in this day and age. Um, you know, you're, you're seeing those are majority and still today white owned businesses. Uh, and so you're looking at a huge social economic uh, standard. The anthropology studies that are out there are pretty specific about how uh, one gentleman in particular named uh, Marty Otania is here at Denver University, probably the foremost expert on social, social anthropology. Uh, you should check out uh, his podcast for sure. He's got some, some great stuff on Denver Open Media. And, and, and so, so marijuana was made illegal. Now, 100 years later, why do you think now it's coming up that it should be legal? Well, uh, we're in a crisis on all, on all facets here in this country. Uh, the United States has had problems for the, the last several hundred years, and now they're doing things. Uh, but the, the, the opioid, opioid crisis, which is now a crisis because it's affecting white communities, 
Uh, you're looking at the heroin crisis because it's now affecting white communities. Uh, and with the sharing of information, uh, your podcast alone and as many hands and ears as that touches, uh, it's, it's sort of an open marketplace. And now people that know the truth about what actually is available that isn't dangerous or toxic to their bodies, they're going back to what's natural, which comes from the earth. Uh, why, why do we demonize all of these things that grow out of the ground, but we don't demonize the things that are all driven by uh, marketplaces? So like, for instance, compare tobacco and, and marijuana, like it seems like almost a no-brainer. Why is tobacco, which they, they, they even have to say this causes cancer or whatever it is they have to say on the, on the label. Why is that legal and marijuana has been illegal? Does marijuana cause cancer as far as you know? Uh, well, that's the difficult part is because they've made it federally illegal. Uh, certain studies and validated, I'm using quotation marks, uh, uh, validated industries that support uh, the tobacco industry and basically make synthetics that affect your dopamine system, that affect your, your, your mental capacity, and also uh, you know, the, the lung health that comes out of all this. So once the machine gets behind that, it's very difficult to get people to, to kick these things. You know, Look at people trying to get rid of their car right now. I mean... They want to get off oil and gas, but like, good luck. Uh, and so the, the hemp industry, the cannabis industry really has this tight core nucleus right now of this is how we really need to be growing this before big pharma gets involved, before big tobacco gets involved, because the majority of the population that's out there that still believes the hype around reefer madness, that hasn't had it be legalized yet, uh, the second that the right lobbyists get in the right politicians' pockets, we're going to see unilaterally a descheduling of some sort, probably within the next couple of years. And as soon as it's available on the counter, people won't care what it is as long as it's being sold to them. So I think the important message with a lot of this is to continue the, the, the momentum and the education around how cannabis in all of its forms, not just the THC versions, but the CBD versions. Um, and then there's hybrid versions, right? There's hybrid versions that can you know, affect uh, things such as uh, they just passed uh, two weeks ago in Colorado. Uh, Cindy Sovine uh, is one of the major uh, cannabis lobbyists here in Colorado and in the country. Uh, she helped push forward an initiative that allowed CBD to be uh, administered to children who suffer from epilepsy. Uh, we're having kids having seizures in the middle of school with it could be solved by just giving them something that's got CBD in it. Uh, and it 100% of the time is, 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 is working on, on some of these patients. So I've read it helps uh, 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 soften the effects of chemotherapy, it reduces anxiety, it helps with sleeping, you know, as opposed to taking, you know, Xanax or one of these other pills that are very addictive. Is, but, but uh, and I'm actually, I'm naive, so I'm just quoting this New York Post article this morning. It says something I didn't know. It says you could get potentially addicted to marijuana. Is that true? Well, I mean, there, there's going to be dopamine effects for depending on what people need versus what they're trying to get. If the people are seeking a high, obviously, we know that if you smoke THC, marijuana, can cannabis, uh, that's going to get you high. Uh, you have to remember that the, the, the cannabinoid system is something that already exists in our body. Uh, it's like the vitamin C's, the vitamin D's, the vitamin B's. These are vitamins that are already in our body. They get excited by injection of certain foods. The cannabis plant is no different than this. So essentially what we're looking at is finding ways to explain this and educate folks on how this can be something that can work for them. But until the research is had, is had in, the, in the way that we know the research around so many other topics, uh, we're just not going to know. And the, the challenge that the cannabis industry has right now is 
being able to educate from a stance that most of the research that's been done out there uh, is coming from industry. And so there's a lot of disconnect in, uh, you know, I think there's only one university in Texas and the guy's only been allowed to test one form of CBD or cannabinoids that are out there. There's like over 300 of them that exist and we only know like six or seven of them right now. And so there's, there's things that if we know in the same way from a Western medicine standpoint that we could put that research into, that's how we can find ways to help treat ourselves and use a true medicine that comes out of the ground. But what's your gut? Like you've seen people now, you work in the industry here, you've seen people come in, the, in and out of these dispensaries for, for years. What's your gut on the effects of marijuana? I have to say, Airbnb has changed my life. I just love staying in Airbnbs. Like in about a month, I'm going to Cocoa Beach, which is right next to Cape Canaveral. I'm going to watch some rocket launches. I'm going to, of course, be staying in a very nice Airbnb on the beach. And it's just such a great experience. Like the whole world is available to us now because of Airbnb. But whenever I'm at an Airbnb, I always realize, you know, I the home that I left to come to this Airbnb, I could be making money on that right now by hosting and and being an Airbnb myself. So, and I've known people, I had a friend who basically, you know, made a living from turning his home into an Airbnb. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you do have an Airbnb there. And it's an it can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I remember last year I was asked to go speak at the Norway Business Summit, and I was so excited because side by side with the Business Summit was the Norway Chess Summit, where I would get to see in person Magnus Carlsen, the best chess player ever, playing chess. But it was four plane rides, like to get to the city that ultimately I would go to. So I really did not want to fly for 14 hours. And they, they were willing to pay for everything for me. So I, I, at first class. So I didn't want to fly for 14 hours and not be first class. So I had to hurry up and get on the phone immediately to get those first-class tickets to a chess tournament in Norway. And listen, this is just like when, you know, you have to know when you want the best of anything, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. And I did not want those seats to fill up. So it's like if you're hiring for your business, you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. I was just talking to a friend this morning where he was trying to decide between some programmers and he waited a little too long and both the programmers he was interviewing took other jobs, like great jobs. So, you know, what's the best way then to hire the best as quickly as possible? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast. And right now you could try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Just try it and see. You'll, you'll find out. So ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify the top talent for your roles. 
immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I know this because one time I signed up as an employee, potential employee on ZipRecruiter, and I got nonstop, really, I was, even though obviously I wasn't looking for a job, I love what I do, but I just wanted to see what would happen because they were a, a, a sponsor of my podcast. And the most interesting jobs would pop up in my emails like, hey, you're qualified for this or that. And so it's interesting to see. So just just go there and try it. Try ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Amp up your hiring performance. Now, this is more for if you're hiring, but amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. As far as for a social standpoint? No, from a medical. Medical standpoint. Uh, and g- given that you're not an expert on the medical side, but you've seen a lot. Yeah, I've seen a lot. Uh, you know, the average age for most of these medical facilities is right around 37. We're seeing a lot of kids that are coming up that recognize the ability for the cannabis plant to help them in a certain way. And you've got folks that are hooked on pills, hooked on booze, hooked on something, and trying to find a way to lessen or remove themselves from this in a way that's going to help extend their life and live a better quality life. So uh, from from my standpoint and what I'm seeing now, I'm very hopeful that you know, that we're going to continue to see that grow. What do you think about PTSD among veterans? So like 20 veterans a day kill themselves. And a lot of it, a lot of these guys come back from war and they become alcoholics. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you see, does marijuana have any effect on PTSD, do you think? Yep. Uh, we we just passed in Colorado uh, a couple months ago. It was the first in this nation, first in the nation to uh, allow for medical marijuana to be or PTSD to be on the list for medical marijuana, which seems like a no-brainer for these vets that are going across and arms, limbs, and brains. You know, in some way, uh, all these combat vets are affected. Um, we all talk about PTSD when we go through a bad relationship, but you know, a lot of these guys are having you know things that they will never be able to unlearn. Um, we actually just finished uh, two months ago working on a cannabis health, first of its kind, uh, cannabis health and wellness fair. Uh, we partnered with a group called uh, Weed for Warriors. Uh, there's a bunch of other derivations of this, but the Mountain State Medical Program is what it is now um, that works specifically with combat vets and offering uh, free medicine uh, with support uh, from you know organizations like mine, uh, organizations like Rhino Supply that we were just visiting. Um, the, the uh, Department of Defense is quietly, and I know this through some investor relationships, uh, Department of Defense is actually working on high, super high doses of um, CBD to be administered. And this is no THC at all uh, because the CBD and the cannabinoid system is the only thing with expressed uh, 
uh, administration allows for traumatic brain injuries to subside because it's mm-hmm. the only thing in the, I'm going to get lost on the medical side here, but uh, it's the only thing that reduces inflammation. Uh, so uh, like myself, I look young, but I've got uh, arthritis in both my hands. Uh, starting to use CBD personally uh, has completely subsided. Do you ingest it? Uh, yeah. 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 So, and they've got oils, they've got tinctures, they've got edibles, they've got all the things that we do. So um, now in, in terms of the companies in the space, there's all like, if you were to guess, it seems like you have the tobacco companies on one side, they're going to certainly take advantage of it being of marijuana being legal. And then there's the pharmaceutical companies. If there's medicinal use, they're going to want to kind of patent the compounds or whatever and say, hey, we own this strain of marijuana. Do you kind of see all these, like you mentioned, you know, a couple of companies, um, including the one around the corner from here. Um, do you kind of see them eventually being, and, and a lot of these hundreds of smaller pot companies being acquired by these big you know, behemoth companies? Well, I think if you look at the economic pressures that are happening, I mean, that's a certainty. Um, I think lessons being learned in some regard in the companies that want to stick to their values. Uh, you can look at something like the craft brew industry, right? Uh, just because Budweiser started, uh, you know, in I think 89, moved to Colorado uh, and started one of the first what was then craft brew uh, experiences. Everyone said, oh, that's the end of the ability for people to do that. Uh, where we're sitting right now is the densest population of craft breweries in the country. Uh, and each of those uh, is cideries, breweries, whatever it is, is got different uh, health benefits, as long as you don't drink too much, typically is a thing. And I would say cannabis is in that same regard. I mean, so, so like, so, so like a Philip Morris or some of these pharmaceutical companies could go in and buy a lot of the smaller marijuana companies, but some still will flourish, like staying true to their their goal and their mission. And maybe they see much more, many more profits in front of them, so they don't want to get sold too quickly. Yeah, I mean, look, look at something like the the quote unquote green revolution. You know, a couple like two decades ago, we all thought, oh great, well it's just kind of been canned. It's a phrase thing at this point. Um, I think cannabis is going to fall into that way in some regard, and there's already uh, a lot of uh, large outside investors that are putting money into certain branded things that uh, are, are dispensaries, for example, or grow houses, for example. Um, but eventually they'll want to sell because they want to get their money back. They want to get their money back, and you know, there, there's a misnomer out there that like all these pot shops are all making money, and they're just simply not. I mean, they're taxed at an average rate in Colorado of 76.5%, so you, know, you didn't make a dollar, basically. Uh, and so as, as the market continues to grow into other marketplaces, uh, as you start seeing that, that cost of a cannabis drop, uh, you're going to see a bunch of these shops close down or get bought up. And those that, you know, have good business practices and, you know, know how to do what they do, uh, they're going to continue to flourish. And do you see anything happening like, like how Starbucks started in Washington and expanded to California and Oregon and then gradually expanded to the country and the world. Do you see anything like that happening among any of the smaller it's pot already, companies? Yeah, it's already happening today. I mean, we can, I, I'm not going to name names today, but uh, we can pick in a dozen of the dispensaries that are, that are growing here. And those are the ones that first open up in Washington, first open up in, in Nevada and, and all around. Um, unfortunately, I think that's sort of the nature of the economic beast. It's just, People are going to want to make money and get out, or they're going to want to make money and want to manipulate that. Um, but it's really going to come down to people being educated. It all will come down to education. Uh, you know, stop telling the kids that cannabis is evil. You know what I mean? These types of things. Uh, we don't see that from the alcohol side. We don't see that 
Uh, although they put it uh, reluctantly on all their boxes, you see that on tobacco, but you don't hear a lot of this, what we grew up with, uh, being touted that way for cannabis. And I think it's important that the education piece continues to, to do that. Do you think it'll happen? I guess now that it's being made legal everywhere, more studies will start happening in universities. Yeah, I mean, I mean that, that's, it's going to take a descheduling. Um, mm -hmm. At some point, a rescheduling or descheduling off of that, uh, that, you know, right now cannabis is looked at in the same regard legally as like heroin, which is ludicrous. Yeah, like when, when uh, Colorado made marijuana legal recreationally, what happened to the people who were in Colorado prisons who were put in jail for marijuana crimes? Uh, they have not been aggressive at uh, rescinding those as other states ha are starting to do. Um, to me, that's a big cost on the prison system. Well, it's a cost on the prison system, it's a cost on the community. Uh, and if you look at the numbers, it's largely uh, people of color uh, percentage-wise. Uh, and that has de devastating effects uh, economically, socially, and culturally, and how, how people are perceiving these things to be in this way. You know, I, Ohio is a great example. They've got this massive opioid addiction, uh, but they've made it so difficult uh, to attain or get cannabis. Uh, people are still looking at it as like, well, that's just something these people do, pointing to people of color or different minority groups or different uh, cultures. Do you think Trump's for or against legalizing marijuana? Uh, well, he has the Trump card right now, so it's difficult to say. Um, Funny. I, I, <laughs> thanks. Coming from you. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I think that we've, we've seen uh, a, a mirroring type of political landscape with uh, the president currently uh, in that if you look at his past uh, leading up until the, this presidency, uh, pretty much everything that he said that he's going to do is against what he was doing before. Uh, so he has said outright that he's not going to pursue things, even though the attorney general that he picked said that he was going to. Um, and all, Trump's some, probably, his base is probably more for states' rights, which is so states legalizing well, things. Well, yeah, and then you look at the, the political landscape and the states that, you know, he needs to garner support in. Uh, you know, one of Colorado's dirty secrets is that really the main driver here is oil and gas. But in order to win the state, you're not going to push back against a, a, a section or a marketplace that's, that's producing a billion dollars in tax revenue. Mm. And so these types of things annually, right? Mm. So uh, states, most of these states are not, you know, well run. Uh, there's a lot of bureaucracy. Uh, one of the, the kind of shining examples, whether it's intentional or not, uh, the, the Trump administration is showing that the, the, uh, the, the, the federal level uh, is, is a, a fractured, injured, sort of worthless piece. And if you start looking at developments like cryptocurrency, uh, realization that an education around cannabis and kind of coming back to the ground level and actually talking to our neighbors about this stuff, um, I'm hopeful that, you know, we're going to see that probably descheduling and rescheduling happen sooner than later. Well, Ray, what's, what's the name of your organization? How can people find out more about you and, and what you do? Yes. Uh, well, we are a sort of creative supply shop. Uh, I am the uh, owner and I call myself the custodian of Megafauna. Uh, we're located in Denver, Colorado. Uh, we work against uh, all things that are sort of mass produced, but we really want to make an uh, uh, availability for local creative enterprise and continuing to grow that experience, whether it's through sourcing uh, projects like this, uh, throwing support and resourcing and kind of being that, that uh, 
agent that's you know able to help uh, local communities and uh, in the creative space. And you're making a living doing it? Uh, I have been for 17 years now. So. Uh, it's, it's excellent. Before it was legal recreationally, but it was legal medically. Correct. Yeah. All yeah, right. It's good. Been a lot of changes. Excellent. Well, thanks so much for coming on the, the podcast, the podcast. <laughs> the podcast. So. Well, I appreciate you having me on and uh, it's been great to meet you. I look forward yeah. to seeing you again. Yeah. Nice meeting you. Thanks. All right. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.